0: How are you doing? Good to see you. Happy Independence Day weekend. Thanks for coming. Great to see you guys. Calvary Online, welcome. Good morning over at Traditional. Good morning. Great to see you. I got to fill you guys in on my last two days because they're fairly exciting. So I've got got a child married in Chicago. So they're there for the weekend. And I have a child down in San Diego. So I have one child left. He's in school. And he's downtown San Francisco at an internship this summer. And so I said, hey, you know, let's get together for a couple days. Fourth of July weekend. Let's have some fun. He says, great. He goes, pick me up at 3 p.m. on Friday, downtown San Francisco, and I'm going to bring some friends. I go, who are you bringing? He says, uh, Hunter, Simon, and Hugo. One is from Sweden, one is from the Czech Republic, one is from New Orleans. And I said, great. I said, let's take them up to Truckee. Let's hang out, show them Lake Tahoe because it's cool and all that kind of stuff, and let's have some fun. So I pick them up. We leave downtown San Francisco Friday at 345. So I, I'm new here. Remember this, okay? So... <laughs> It was a wonderful five-hour trip, getting to know the boys in the back of the car and talking and all that. We get them up there, we have some late dinner, go to bed. So yesterday, Saturday, Sarah had done her research and she's like, okay, I bought an inflatable raft and we're gonna take them down to, apparently it's the Truckee River and you get in it somewhere near the lake and all that. So remember, we're all new to this. And so we take the boys, you know, hope you're enjoying America. Let's go see Lake Tile, let's go have some fun. And so I get there with 5,000 other people and I pump up this, uh, the raft. And the four boys, we've never done anything like this, put the boys in it and I shove them off and I said, good luck, hope you make it, you know? Because we don't know what we're getting into. And then Sarah had bought us a little raft and I pump it up, we get in it and we hop in. Now remember, I'm new here and everything is just majestic and magical and California's amazing and all that kind of stuff. And I came here during the pandemic, so I only know you, Calvary. You're my family. This is, this is who I know during, you know, that's the people that I've met. And so we get in there with 5,000 other people yesterday, and we launch. Don't have a clue what we're doing. Not, nothing at all. And this is, how, this is how God works in my life. Within two minutes of launching into this river, I hear, Pastor Rob! And I'm like... I don't know anyone here, this is, so I ignored it. And then there was another Pastor Rob. so I'm like, how many Pastor Robs are in the Truckee River? So I turn around and it's Bruce and Cindy Todd and Rob and Steph and Cammie and Carter all in this, this awesome raft. And this is, this is God throwing me a lifeline. He's like, you're preaching Sunday, you have to survive this and you make it and all that kind of stuff. So, so we start talking, we're having fun and then Cammie grabs our kayak. And so I didn't have to paddle. I didn't do anything. I just sat there and we laughed and carried on. And Rob and Carter are paddling, keeping us out of the rapids and out of the trees and all that kind of stuff. And so Sarah and I had the best time. It was like small group on a river. Now, I don't know if the Todd's had a good time, but we had a great time and we made it. So anyway, the boys made it, we made it, and it was a great time. And it reminded me that midway through summer, when you celebrate 4th of July, you're halfway through. Memorial Day kicks it off. You know, we've, we, all us pastors start in student ministry or children's ministry. Memorial Day kind of kicks it off. And then Fourth of July, you're halfway through. And then Labor Day, the kids are back in school. Okay, so we're halfway through. And Fourth of July, I'm grateful for this country. I'm thankful for Independence Day because my dad served, my father-in-law served. And there are many countries today that you can't express freedom of religion, but we can. And so I'm grateful for those of you that serve or have served. Thank you. We appreciate you. And so it's quickly turning into this big, you know, we're coming out of this pandemic and people are getting together and it's family time and it's let's cook out, let's grill out, let's hang out together. And so we're experiencing that and we're having fun and uh, God blessed us through this whole process and we're, we're, we're continuing to have a great time. But what's happening as we're coming up slowly out of this pandemic is people got very comfortable in their lives. People are, you know, people are coming back to work and they're putting things in their schedules. People are going out, they're going out to dinner, they're they're beginning to experience life again together. That's what we're about as a church. And people are telling us, they're like, man, my schedule's getting pretty busy. I got kind of used to being in my pajamas and putting on a nice shirt and getting on Zoom for two years. It's been a lot of fun. And now they gotta put things back into their calendar. And they're running out of time and the capacity is, is waning and they're saying, man, how do I get more capacity in my life? And so we're gonna look to Jesus today to see what he did when he got busy. And so my question to you to kick this thing off, and I want you to answer, oh, first of all, finish this sentence for me. When life gets busy, something's gotta give. That's right. Something's gotta give. So what are a couple easy things in our lives that when your schedule gets full and life gets busy, what can you cut? Shout it out. What are a couple things? What can you cut? What can you do? Oh, sleeping, okay, sleeping. That's always like top, man. You know, stay up a little later, maybe get up a little earlier. You know, I don't wanna mess up y'all's sleep cycle, but you can do that. You can stay up a little later, you can get up a little earlier, that's that's one. Somebody said uh, fast food, whoever said fast food. Right now, you sit down, have a wonderful meal with your family. But yeah, you can shorten that, you can get some fast food. Don't really recommend that long term, but you could. Um, Somebody said, my favorite one to cut, thank you. Exercise. Man, I'll cut exercise even when I got plenty of time, but I'll cut that out. Makes me feel good. Get some more capacity. But as we go a little deeper, let's get a little more deeper. Um, Some of the things that you can cut. How many of you get up early and start the day with a quiet time? Who does? Oh, a lot of you. Good. Okay. How many of us, me too, have ever hit snooze and just blown that off, gotten a little more sleep? Oh, you're honest. Thank you. Okay, good. Yes. Now, what I have found through the years is that when I do that, I I don't become the person that I want to be. I don't become the person that God has called me to be. So every now and then and on occasion, you can probably do that, but I don't recommend that long-term because then you're not living out and acting out the Christ-like lifestyle and attitude to those around you. But that's something you can do. And I find that when I do that, I don't communicate as well with the ones I love. I don't communicate as well with Sarah. I don't spend enough time with my kids. And so it's important that we get back into that. Well, Jesus experienced this very thing. He got busy. His schedule got full. And we're going to look today into the word about how he handled it and what he did. And wouldn't it be nice to pattern our lives after his and do what he did? So we're going to take a look at what Jesus did when he got busy. So if you are able and willing, would you please stand in honor of God's word and I'm gonna read this to you, it's a, it's a lot, it's long, so follow along on the screens and let me read it to you. Here we go. Mark 1:35. Very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also, that's why I've come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, and if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Let's pray. God, thank you for an incredible time of worship, a time to fellowship, to be together, to learn more about you. Holy Spirit, like a flame, rest upon my tongue. Give me the words you want me to speak. Allow everyone here to receive the message that you have for them today. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Be seated, please. Have a seat. So last weekend, Danny Bush gave an unbelievable sermon. And if you didn't hear it, I would encourage you to go on our website and watch it. So as if Danny is handing off a baton to me, I am picking up the verse right where he left off. So here's a quick flashback from last weekend, okay? Danny preached that Jesus was teaching in the synagogues in the morning, and he taught with such power and authority that the people were amazed, They were astonished. In fact, Danny used the word, they were shook. They were just moved. That's how powerfully and with authority Jesus was preaching in the synagogue. It's exhausting to preach, so you got to keep that in mind first. Then he's heading out, hoping to go have some lunch. He runs into a demon, and so he stops, heals, casts out the demon. Okay, that's work. Then he goes to Simon Peter's house to have some lunch. However, Simon Peter's mom was deathly ill, the Bible says. So he had to go minister to her and heal her and bring her back to full capacity. She then went and made lunch. So then in the afternoon, because he taught with such authority that day in the synagogue, word spread, people started coming to the house. And the Bible says, and Danny said this last week, Jesus ministered to many. We do not know how late into the night he was working, but it was late. Now, that is a big day, guys. That's a full day. His schedule's full capacity is at maximum. Remember, yes, he's 100% God, but he's also 100% man. So he gets tired, all right? He's working. Now, as I pick up the scripture here, Jesus is, um, we're trying to figure out how late he went into the night and how early he gets up the next morning. Because if it were me and I was a disciple, I would look at Jesus and say, man, great day. High five, great job. Why don't you sleep in tomorrow? Take a break, get refreshed. Some of the disciples would say it's a, it's a day to sleep in, but wake up, let's minister to the many. But Jesus said it was a night for a very short amount of sleep and time to get up and go be with the Father. And we're gonna unpack that. Let's see what that means. Verse 35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. When they found him, they said, everyone's looking for you. Jesus replied, let's go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I've come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and driving out demons. Now, Mark, in the the book of Mark, Mark is incredibly detailed right here. And look what he says. He says, rising very early while it was still dark. He didn't need to say both. Watch this. Rising very early in the morning, Jesus got up and went. While it was still dark, Jesus got up and left. Why did he put them both in there? Let's think about that. Early in the morning can be many things. could be five, six, seven, whatever. You add the while it's still dark in there, and we're, we're bringing it back. We're going a little early. Three, four, you know, around here. sun it starts coming up at five. this time of year. And so Mark is trying to stress to us how absolutely very early in the morning this was when he got up. Then Mark uses four verbs describing what happened. Rising, departed, went, prayed. So it's dark, it's early. He gets up, very quietly leaves the house not to wake the disciples. And he goes out to a far away, isolated, desolate place. Why? Because of the preaching that yesterday morning, the casting out of the demon, ministering to many all night long, the word was spreading. People were talking. He knew that when Capernaum woke up, He needed to be isolated in a way so he could spend time with the Father, okay? So he heads out. You remember, Danny was telling us, Capernaum is a town of less than 2,000. I've been there, it's on the Sea of Galilee. It's a beautiful place. But when you visualize what he's trying to do, you realize the town's gonna wake up and go right back to that house. They're gonna bring more people to cast out demons, to heal all those things. Remember, I would have said, man, take the morning off, sleep in. The disciples said, when you wake up, let's minister to many. But Jesus said, time for a short night of sleep, get up early, go out and spend time with the Father. Let's find out why. Now, again, we talked about hitting snooze. I've done it, you've done it, when we, we need a little more sleep. But Jesus got up earlier and to go spend time with the Father. Sometimes we miss out on the anticipation of spending time with the Father. Let me, let me explain what that means. I'm a huge morning guy. I love to get up early, get some coffee going, quiet time, listen, uh, be still, pray, and now the Lectio Divina, all those things, love it. And then I run at a high pace all day, but then at like 8, 9 p.m., I'm done, I'm out, okay? I'm exhausted. We need to think about time with our Lord and Savior, with the Father, not about checking a box or getting a quiet time done or getting through the scripture for the day, but think about it like this, the anticipation of who's waiting on the other side that God is literally waiting to hear from you and me. This is what Jesus knows, and this is what he's trying to teach us here. Jesus wants to get to the Father to pray. Sometimes we miss that anticipation. Let me give you a story, I'm gonna give you an example. I have three little kids. I just say little, they're 25, 24, and 22, but they're, always, they're still little to me, okay? So my kids, when they were little, okay, so step back. Built a big church in Texas, had a blast. Christmas Eve services in Texas, we have about 25 of them. They go for several days. The last one starts at 11, so that at the stroke of midnight, we can celebrate with everyone, it's Christmas morning. Then we go home, and that's when it's time we wrap presents, Sarah and I put things together, we get ready for Christmas. One year, I put my head down to the pillow, like, it's like 2.30, I'd just gone to bed, so excited, exhausted. And I, I'm just laying down, and I hear this, thump, 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 thump. One of the kids comes down the stairs, I'm like, oh, here we go. And then I can hear him rustling under the tree and playing with the presents and all that kind of stuff. And I go out there, and it was Jessie, my oldest, and she looks at me with this big smile, and she's like, is it too early? I'm like, ah, it's too early. Yeah, it's still dark out. All right, so I grab her, take her upstairs, pray with her, put her back to bed. She doesn't normally wake up like that. Why did she wake up that day? It was the excitement and the anticipation and her banking on there would be something downstairs under that tree. It was her anticipation of that day, knowing we were going to celebrate as a family and be together and spend time together. That's how we need to look at spending time with the Father, not as something that we need to do in order to start our day, but who's actually waiting on the other side of that prayer? It's the anticipation. Let me give it to you one more way done a lot of missions in my time. I know you guys have too. If you haven't done a go team, you need to do a go team with us. It's life changing. But missions all over the world, incredible time. My longest was Sweden, did 10 years back and forth there. And let me just tell you that when you finish a mission trip, you feel just incredible. You're helping others, you're teaching others about the love of Christ and you're, you're acting it out. But when it was time to go home from a mission trip, I would make sure I have all my students and young adults ready to go. Hey guys, we're leaving tomorrow morning, get up at 3.30, we have gotta get to the plane. Do you know in every mission trip in 25 years on the way home, I've never hit snooze on that alarm that morning to get the flight home, ever. In fact, I, I don't really sleep, I just get up, I'm so excited. Why? The anticipation of coming home and seeing my wife, seeing my kids. It's that kind of mindset not a not a task or a thing we need to do but who's waiting on the other side of that prayer the anticipation of spending time with the father now you guys you know we all think sometimes getting up early is tough you remember college remember all-nighters remember those kinds of things we have it in us we can do it okay jesus was intentional he knew the father was waiting for him okay back to the story so now Everyone else wakes up in the house. Simon and the others wake up. People are starting to arrive and they're like, hey, we got people, we got a house, we got a time. Where's Jesus? We don't have Jesus. We don't, we don't have the guy we need. So they're like, what do we do? And so what we do in church work when you can't find the main guy is you usually call the worship pastor up and say, Chris, I need another song. I don't know, do whatever you want. Maybe you handshake, whatever. They have to go find him. He's not in the house, he's not outside. Finally, they went out, they found him. He was, remember, far away, isolated, desolate place. They find him, watch this. Simon says, everyone is looking for you. The tone of his voice was, what are you doing? Should you be praying right now? There's people waiting for you at the house. There's no time to pray. Have you ever done that? I've done that. How many of us are so busy trying to get our to-do list done that we say, we just don't have time, let's cut this, okay? Watch this, this part's awesome. Peter says, there's too many people we don't have time to pray. Jesus says, there's too many people we need to pray. Think about that. How many, how many times in our lives do we think about that? It's counterintuitive. When you get busy and your schedule gets full, it, you, you think I've gotta cut certain things in order to get more of my to-do list done. You know, I get to spend a lot of time with Dale, which is a blessing to me. And as we were going over this message a couple weeks ago, we were talking about quiet time and early morning and Lectio Divina and all those things. And I said, sometimes I just get distracted. You know, things go through my mind. He said, Rob, you've got to give yourself the permission to write something down that's coming into your mind. You know, he says, journal and write down what God is speaking to you about, but have a separate sheet with a pen or pencil. And when you think about, I got to go and pick up eggs at the store today or something. Thoughts will come in. He says, write it down, give yourself that permission, and then go right back to what you're doing. It's brilliant. It's really helped me to deal with what I need to and then jump right back into the personal time with the Father. Now, this book, the Bible, is full of instructions for us, okay? Every time prayer is listed in here, it is done so in a positive way. It says prayer is good. Time with the Father is important. And he listens and hears us every time we pray. It's always associated with positive things. Now remember, think back to, I would think it was a time for Jesus to sleep in, disciples a day to work, Jesus a time to get up early because Jesus knew the importance of time with the Father. Prayer is necessary. Verse 38, Jesus replied, let's go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That's why I've come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Now, nothing can help us prioritize and clarify like spending time with the Father. When you have a decision to make and you have choices to discern, no, nothing can help you as much as spending time with the Father. Clarity, wisdom, discernment, guidance, direction. All those things come. That's what Jesus had to go to. He, he had to go do. Jesus said, "There will always be people to help." but he knew the importance of preaching the gospel. And then he knew he had to help Capernaum. He also knew there were more cities that needed the word. So how how was he gonna decide this? He prayed to the father because he needed the clarity and the guidance. Jesus was very clear when the disciples showed up, watch this, they said, Jesus, we gotta go. There's hundreds of people at the house. Jesus said, I know, pack up, we're going to the next town. That's a tough call. That's a tough choice. Jesus said, we've got to go to the next town so that I can preach there. That is why I've come. Listen to this very carefully. Healing and deliverance, as important as they were, were secondary to preaching the word. This is why he went away to have time with the father, was to understand that he has two really good choices, go back to the house and heal, teach, or move on and preach the gospel, preach preach the word to those who haven't heard it. Healing and deliverance, as important as they were, were secondary to preaching the word. How many of us get stuck between two good choices? Happens to me all the time. I can vet out the easy ones. Hey, that's a good choice. That's a bad choice. But what happens when you have two good choices like Jesus did? It was a time to get up earlier, go spend time with the Father, to pray, to listen for the discernment, the wisdom, the clarity, the direction. It is in the process of prayer that God will give us direction. And this is what Mark wants us to understand. God will provide the direction when we have time with him. So Jesus spends time with the father and God multiplied his work. Jesus needed to focus on all of Galilee, not just the town of Capernaum. Now this is fun. Jesus spent a ton of time with the father and he's, you know, God's son. So how much more time do you and I need to spend with the father? When I I read that the other day and I was like, oh, that's, that's, that's big. You know, Jesus spends so much time praying, listening, getting direction. How much more time do you and I need to spend time with the Father to get that kind of clarity and wisdom? So I have a challenge and encouragement for you guys today, okay? As Christy did an incredible job of explaining the Lectio Divina, here's what I want you guys to do. I want you to pick a day this next week and get up 15 minutes earlier, okay? Now, before you get, oh, Rob, that kind of a deal, Go to bed 15 minutes earlier, okay? I always told my kids, man, hey, nothing good happens after dark. Just go to bed a little bit earlier. It'll be fine. Take one day this next week, get up 15 minutes earlier, and we want you to go through the Lectio Divina. I would love to hear, whether through email or we talk next week or whatever, I would love to hear about what God does in your life because this is where the message is going to come full circle right here. Watch this. Mark, as he, was, as he was writing his gospel, he mostly laid out a chronological order. That was, it wasn't his total purpose or his goal, but he was mostly chronological. Well, he just finishes this lesson on the importance and power of prayer, and then he jumps into a lesson on Jesus healing a leper. So let's look at that. Verse 40, a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, and it says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him. Now, let's talk about leprosy. So back in Jesus's day, it was, it was arguably the worst disease you can have, leprosy. So leprosy today is called Hansen's disease. We can treat it. We're, we've gotten good enough of medicine that we can. But back in Jesus's day, it was any skin infectious contagious disease, any kind of rash. It was kind of lumped into this leprosy thing. And back in those days, in the little cities, the priest was considered the doctor. So if you woke up one day and had a rash, you had to go to the priest. The priest would then look at you and determine if you have leprosy or not. If you did, your life was pretty much over. And let me explain this to you. I'm gonna go back. If you were diagnosed with leprosy, this this is what it says. This is out of Leviticus. Those who suffer from a serious skin disease must tear their clothing, leave their hair uncombed, grow it out, cover their mouth, they must call out, unclean, unclean. As long as the serious disease lasts, they will be ceremonially unclean. They must live in isolation in their place outside the camp. So in every little town, the lepers had a colony outside the city. And they were so they were so forced out in a way and isolated that if they tried to come to the city, the people would throw rocks and try to get them to go away because it was so contagious, no cure, the whole deal. And when you were cast out as a leper, it doesn't matter your age or anything about you, you you would never see your spouse, your kids, your grandkids, your parents ever again, unless some miracle healed you, okay? If you ever thought you got healed, you had to go see the priest, get a doctor's note, to get back into the city, okay? Watch this, this guy, this leper in this story goes all in with Jesus. He says, if you will, I know you can heal me. So he had already heard about Jesus and the miracles and the teaching and all those things that Danny talked about last week, the, the teaching and the synagogues and the authority and all that, okay? So he goes all in and he shouts out to Jesus, if you can, I know you can, if you will, heal me. So there's three points I want you to get out of the story, okay? Number one is this. In all the scriptures, no matter what version you read, it says this moment, his moment actually moved Jesus. It moved him. Whether it's anger, frustration, pity, it's it's, he was just moved, he was jolted because of the man reaching out to him. So Jesus reaches out his hand and heals the man. Immediately, he was healed. Why? Because this man mattered to Jesus. This man moved him. This man, it didn't, didn't matter his wealth, his status, it didn't matter where he was from, the color of his skin, all those things. None of it mattered because this man was made in the image of God. He was an image bearer of God. He was a person. When people suffer, Jesus' heart goes out to them. Second thing, Jesus' touch brought healing. The lepers' touch didn't bring death. Okay, so lepers back in the day, remember, skin disease, highly infectious, highly contagious. If a leper touched someone else, chances were the disease would transfer and it would go like that. Jesus did not have to touch the man. You guys remember that. There are other stories where he didn't touch him, but he chose to in this moment. Why? Why? He's reaching down, the leper's reaching up, okay? And normally the leper's disease and death would go to the other person. Jesus is reaching down and his love and heart and care for this man cleansed him. The leper's touch did not bring death. Jesus's touch brought life. Jesus's love is for everyone. We are all cleansed. We are all made whole by Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection, I love this, listen to this. Jesus is never infected by our dirt. Jesus' touch always makes us clean. Third thing, Jesus can make you clean today. It doesn't matter what you've done in your past, it doesn't matter where you've fallen, it doesn't matter what a disastrous history you have in your life, Jesus' love can make you clean today, just like he did with the leper. If you come to Jesus today, you confess your sins, you acknowledge that Jesus is who he says he is, and you invite him in to be your Lord and Savior and make him the Lord of your life, he will touch you and make you clean, and you will look forward to a life that you've never experienced before. However, there's a catch. Just like the leper, you have to ask. Just like the leper went all in, reached out, said, I know you can, but will you? We have to ask as well. So I wanna take a moment on July 3rd, 2022. I don't know where you guys are at in the auditorium, Calvary Online, over in the chapel, but I wanna invite you into a relationship like that with Jesus Christ right now. If you're already a Christian, that's great. Pray for those around you. But if you're not, or if you're unsure, pray this prayer with me silently between you and God, and I'll lead you in that right now. Bow your heads, let's pray. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love for us. I admit that sometimes I sin and make bad choices. Thank you for forgiving me every time I ask. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. I choose to invite you into my heart, into my life, and I make you my Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. If you pray that prayer for the first time, Christ entered your heart and entered your life, and he will never leave you, and he will never forsake you, which means he'll never forget about you. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we want to hear about it. We want to help you on your walk. You're just starting your journey, your lifelong devotion to understand, follow, and learn more about Christ, and we want to help you with that. Okay, i got to finish the story for you guys. Here we go. Verse 43. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Okay, if you have kids, this story will work. If not, you were a kid at one time, think back. Okay, here we go. So. I would always be intentional with my kids to show them love and support while work got crazy. And I would coach at least one of their sports at the YMCA. I just, you know, I didn't know anything about the sport, but I would coach it, it'd be a lot of fun. We'd have kickoff parties and end of season parties. And I got to teach, you know, T-ball, softball, volleyball, basketball, flag football, all that stuff. It was was for me to show the kids that they were important and I love them and I support them. And, And let me tell you, those of you upcoming parents, here's the key. We didn't win a lot of games, you know, I wasn't real good at that, but what matters is the snack at the end of the game. And we lost a ton, but we always had the best snack and ultimately we won, that's what really mattered. So uh, that, that was a free tip for you guys today. Okay, so I'm coaching one of my kids, it's Cassie, it's late one night, it's Houston, Texas, it's August. It's 100 degrees, it's 100% humidity, and you're just miserable by the end of the day. So we finished practice and we're driving home. Okay. Cassie looks at me and says, hey, Dad, you know, we, we, there's a lot of fast food in Houston, okay? That's why Houston literally is the fattest city in America. That's how they judge it, by how many fast food restaurants you have. True fact. Okay, we're driving home. We drive by Chick-fil-A. Cassie goes, Dad, could we just get a Chick-fil-A milkshake? And, you know, we're just sweating and we're miserable and all that. And I go, I look down at Cassie, and I'm like, not only can we, we're going to. We pull over, and I go get a milkshake. She gets a milkshake. And we're just, oh, the cool ice cream and the flavor and just, mm, so good. We pull into the driveway, and all of a sudden it hit me. I'm like, ooh, I probably should have called home to see if anybody else wanted a milkshake. So I look at Cassie, and we're just enjoying it. I just put my arm around it. I'm like, hey, sweetheart, we're going to finish these here. We're going to throw them out in the garbage, and we're going to walk in. I said, I put my arm around her I'm like, let's not mention this to your brother or sister, okay? Let's just keep this here. She just kind of looks at me and does this. And I go, and let's not tell your mom, okay? That's real important. So she looks at me. So anyway, we do all that. Why am I telling you this? Because had I walked in, there would have been a moment of, oh my gosh, what? Ha-? You know, everybody just loves a Chick-fil-A milkshake. But why am I telling you this? Because this is the kind of moment that Jesus had with the leper. Watch this. He heals the leper and pulls the leper aside and says, let's keep this here. Do not tell anyone. Okay, why? What's the deal? And then Jesus did say, okay, go tell the priest, get the note, go back into the city. But that's it. This is sometimes called the messianic secret. Why did he do this? Listen very carefully. Because Jesus did not come to be a miracle worker. Jesus came to be the Messiah. Remember that. Jesus did not come to be a miracle worker. He came to be the Messiah. And as I'm preparing this message and I'm meeting with Dale, Dale looks at me and he goes, the clock was ticking. When Jesus did water to wine, his first miracle, the countdown started. And he only had so much time and he knew that. And he knew if word kept getting out like this, like it did in Capernaum, he wouldn't be able to walk the streets. The crowds were too big. The streets were too small. He was becoming too popular. He did not want the publicity to send the wrong message because it wasn't yet his time to die. However, once you are touched by Jesus and your life is changed forever, it's hard to keep that inside. And as soon as the leper went home, he ran throughout the town and he hugged his wife and he hugged his kids and whatever he did to get back into society and he spread the word because when Jesus touches you and your life changes, you can't keep that inside. Mark is telling us that when Jesus moves, it's powerful and the good news spreads. It's what happens when Jesus changes people's lives. People talk. Now, this is where this whole lesson today comes full circle, right here. Jesus will use you and me to change people's lives. And this will be most effective when we spend time with the Father because prayer is necessary. Jesus says, I can do nothing, but the Father works through me. It's the same with you and me. So when you wanna think about it, think about it like this. What could God do through you and me if we got up just a little bit earlier? What leper could he bring our way? What love could you spread in the community? And what joy could you share with your family and friends and neighbors and coworkers? Get up a little earlier this week, do your Lectio Divina, And I would love to hear from you guys next week, how it goes and what God did in your life. Let's take a moment now as we prepare to reflect and respond and to minister, go ahead and bow your heads. Maybe put your hands out like this, just in a posture to receive. God, we come to you now and we just ask that you would speak to us as we listen for your still small voice. Put someone in our heart, someone in our mind, someone that needs to hear about your love today. Who would you have me minister to you, God? Help me to take the time to just listen, to give you a little more conversation that you might direct me and move me in my life to minister to those in my community and where I live.